From Relay FM, this is the Pen Addict episode 193. Today's show is brought to you by Pen Chalet and Squarespace. My name is Mike Hurley, and I am joined, as always, by the wonderful, the glorious, and downright handsome Mr. Brad Dowdy. Man, I'm feeling pretty good today. Thank you, sir. I am halfway through my second cup of coffee right now, so that's why you've been complimented so, so nice. I'm, I've got that buzz. I spoke, spoke about this in Analog once. I've currently got that buzz like I'm king of the world. Uh-huh. So. I know that one. Usually, I need the, the coffee in the morning to kind of get going, and then if I pick up one in the afternoon, like when we used to do this at 4 o'clock and I'd wake up and have a cup of coffee, I'd just be firing on all cylinders. I'd be... Captain Happy Pants. Yeah, I feel like I'm ready for anything. Which is good <laughs> because I feel like I need to calm you down for our first uh for our first topic today. <laughs> yeah, so why don't you why don't you uh lead us off and uh lead into it and give me a, a moment to collect my collect myself uh, right out the gate. Many, many years ago a book was written called Freakonomics, which is an incredibly interesting book, which I recommend to people, by the way. If you've not read Freakonomics, you should read Freakonomics. Um, there's a lot of just really interesting tidbits about the way to think about the world, so I would I would recommend that to to people. Uh, but they have a podcast that they've been doing for many years called Freakonomics Radio, and actually recently Adina has gotten heavily into this show. I suggested to her that it might be something she would enjoy because she likes shows like this. Um, and they did an episode, I think maybe this week, um, called "Who Needs Handwriting." So yeah, it was like, like late last week. That feels like it falls right within our wheelhouse and even features uh, a little bit about CW Pencil Enterprise right at the end of the show. And they're going to be on the next episode as well, which I thought was quite, quite cool. Um, but basically, the premise of this episode is looking at in the modern world of devices and laptops and phones and all the things that we have these days. Should handwriting still be taught to children in school, especially cursive? Now, I want to preface the the conversation we're about to have by stating that it is very important for us and everybody listening and everybody who's listened to this and, and has complained that we need to remember our bias. That's it. Yeah, we we are big pen, as uh, Mr. Dubner refers to. Um, well, you know, I'm, we're to, not to big pen. To, I know, but big, we're in that category. But yeah, we're, we are in the, the sympathizer category of yes. wanting handwriting to be around and still talk to kids because we love our pens. Uh, I think that that is very important <clears throat> to remember. And I actually think that the show itself presents quite a balanced view. There are some people in it that uh, have questionable methods in certain scenarios. They point out some interesting facts, which I think we cannot deny, where like a lot of the... Uh, research into handwriting being a good thing is funded by pen companies and me and you have spoken about this before that yes. the big um thing that they that was it like fight for your right or something correct. like that correct uh We've... me and you have laughed laughed about that in the past the right. fact that it was big feeling right. threatened right 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 so that's my second biggest issue with the with the episode is the is the 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 repeated um you know, and like when he talks to Caroline, he's like, do you know who funds these studies? Well, his his primary guest, he fails to repeatedly mention that Miss Trubeck is selling a book. Yeah. About how handwriting is dying and how you should move on to other things. So 
She has her own bias as well. This so person. she's he repeatedly brings up the BIC part and the do you know who funds these studies start. He says it like three times. Do you know who funds these studies? Except not one time. What I don't like is he then refers to her later as a handwriting scholar. Yeah. Which makes it seem like she's an expert in handwriting. But right. no, she's writing a book about why it should go away. Right, right, which is her whole reason for being on this show, and he fails to mention that three times, right? He doesn't yeah. listen to mention that at all. So that was my, my second biggest problem. Uh, my primary issue was Miss Trubeck. Her opinion is coming from a place of privilege. So let me explain that a little bit. She, her, the kind of the intro to her is she had... She noticed her second grade child having difficulty with writing letters backwards. And she felt that the kid was not getting a fair shake in school. The kid uh, himself um, felt he was doing bad in school. And she actually pulled him out of that school and moved him into another school. And that's kind of her basis for the handwriting should go away and it should not be taught in school. The big problem with that is that such a privileged point of view. And it's also not, a very unique scenario. Right. So my daughter, in this exact same time frame, in second grade, couldn't write her nines forward for probably over a year. Probably from second, probably into first grade, into second grade. We would work on it and practice on it. And she would get mad because she couldn't do it. And it would just come come back every now and then it would creep up but we worked on it we practiced it it's we know we knew eventually it would go away right she's not going to write backwards nines for the rest of her life and it just went away so you know i felt bad about i i, I didn't enjoy that part for no. one i don't know if i don't know if it's helping her child i mean it right. sounds like it it helped the child's confidence which of course is really important but yeah, I don't think that. I mean, she doesn't really go into details to whether they continue to try and practice that to help him with his handwriting skills, because no matter what this person believes, or no matter what schools they're able to go to, as the world exists right now, he still needs to know how to write. Mm -hmm. Right, right, like that is still something you have to do, no matter what your view is. You still need to be able to do it to get around in the modern society. Right. And I just felt that the focus on that was just such a poor way to look at it because it doesn't take into account people who are not in the same situation. People who are not lucky enough to have the ability to switch their kids' school. Kids, you know, in Africa that we send pens to all the time, you know, having a pen and learning how to handwrite is their way out. You know, kids who aren't fortunate enough to be in school systems with computers, they need to do this because that's the way to build themselves up and get them on in this world. And the way it was presented was like that whole part of the world doesn't exist, you yeah. know, and that was that was my biggest issue with the episode. There were some parts of it that was, you know, very rightly pointing out some independent study, which shows that handwriting allows you to process information better mm -hmm. than uh, typing notes and things like that and I mean the the whole episode it presents things from both sides I think that there is natural bias comes through um, and, and if they would have had somebody like me or you on it we may have been greater advocates for handwriting they didn't really have they had advocates but not really strong advocates and and so right. it was you know it was it was 
balanced but not equally balanced. But my right. my takeaway from this, my feeling about this is, I think cursive is nice. I don't think it's as important anymore. Sure. Um, I, I don't know for how long we need to put an emphasis on actually teaching children that as a mandatory thing. Uh, handwriting has to continue. And for, my feeling is for as long as we teach math, we teach handwriting. Because yeah. for all of the reasons that people say that you don't need handwriting anymore, you don't need math either because computers do math. Right. And, you know, I'm on my kids, not you know, on them that much, but just the, how, you know, math and science are really the important things that, you know, these days that we need to focus on. And I just think those, even if the kids aren't going to be artists or, you know, which we didn't even cover that as part of, you know, why this needs to continue, but just having that kind of, um, you know, tactile way of figuring out problems in, in math and science, you know, can't always be done in computer. Yeah. So anyway, you know, it, some of my followers on Twitter, you know, they were right. You know, this is just like a huge clickbaity type of uh, podcast and you shouldn't even bother with it. But, you know, I thought there were some. I don't agree with that. They, these people are professionals. This is what they do. Um, I, th I think that they basically we are just, as I said, we have a bias and we're more sensitive. Sure. To sure. This. I, I think they did. I think that it was a good job. But what annoys us was the, the people inside of the show as opposed to the, the presenters of the show. I, I thought it was a poorly presented uh, um, point of view. You know, they, it was it was super short sighted. It was super privileged. And uh, that was that was my biggest problem with it. Yeah. So anyway, you know, is what it is. And uh, I hope that made sense to people that haven't heard it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, people that, it was actually fun. The um, the comments on the on their blog on that page, they had like 29 comments and they were universally against everything that they said in the in that episode it was just kind of funny so yeah but that's self-selecting <clears throat> yes it is it is so anyway let's get on to some other articles i did some uh did some cool stuff last week while i was traveling you know i kind of load up on guest posts um you know i get a lot of guest posts and, and get some really cool ones um you know uh presented to me and and you know i kind of timed them with uh when i'm not going to be writing as much like when i'm out of town at the la pin show so what did you think about this first one in here mike left-handedness huh. and the greatest insult of all it's pretty heavy stuff <laughs> it's uh maybe a little heavier than than my experience of being a left-handed person so this is uh michelle guo Yes. Girl, uh, she wrote a, a poem uh, that she'd written years before, right? And, and, right. And then po uh, basically typed it up for you. Uh, and it's it's pretty heavy. Um, but and, and obviously, I didn't go through some of the experiences that are being laid out in this. You know, this seems like that there was. And I know that had happened, uh, people were like beaten for for using their left sure, hand. Sure, sure. Uh, in history, that never happened to me. Luckily, it never happened to my mother either. Mm. Um, but there are things in here about, you know, like writing on a whiteboard, trying to find a left-handed mouse that I can obviously, uh, associate with, but it's a nice, a nice piece. And what I like, Brad, is it's something a little bit, a little bit different. Yeah, exactly. You know, Michelle just emailed me one day and like asked me, asking me questions. I don't even remember what the topic was at this point. She was, you know, help me find a pen or whatever. And the way she wrote, I was like, you, you need to like write more. She's like, really? No one's ever said that to me. 
And then like, this is the first thing she comes up with. And I was like, wow, that's pretty great. So I, I really appreciate her doing this. Got a ton of good feedback on this. So uh, of course, uh, the, the, the left-handers came out in force and, uh, and really appreciated it. So it, it was cool to do something like this. I thought, it, I thought it was pretty awesome. Um, yeah, so, definitely. so thanks Michelle for doing that. And the second one is kind of goes along the lines of what we're going to talk about later in the show, you know, in a, in an ancillary kind of way with the LA pin show, uh, Daniel, uh, Daniel LeMay wrote, uh, um, a piece called what makes the stationary community great. And he takes it from the point of view as being a complete outsider, not what a year, year and a half ago, um, not knowing anything about this community and how he was basically taken in and, um, what what did you make of this piece? Pretty heartwarming stuff, and there it's were really things good. that I didn't know uh, about Daniel. I mean, uh, I have a great debt to pay to Daniel because he was the one who sent me the DDC Dead Prints. Mm. Uh, so I'm, yep. which is an example of the greatness of the community. Yeah, right? me, so, me, me too. So I got some from Daniel as well. Um, and so you know that's a great example of it, and I couldn't, I couldn't agree more. Everything said and. Of course, you talk about the greatness of this community. Who pops up in there? Who pops up in this piece, Brad? <laughs> the king enabler himself. Mr. Thomas Hall, who I have been and you have been uh, on this end of his incredible kindness. Right. Um, and there's, there's a part in there where Daniel had, had bought a Franklin Christoph, which he lost, and then Thomas sent Daniel one. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, that, that, you know, that is the incredible community that i am lucky and you are lucky to be a part of and uh i love all of these people who do these amazing things and it's so true i'm part of many communities online this is the one that i am happiest to be a part of because it mm -hmm. never makes me sad and the rest of them make me sad right. this one never <laughs> makes me sad there are no right. there are no nasty people in this community everybody is out to help each other and it's not like it's a small community either Right, um, right. And that's what I love the most about it is that everybody that is a part of this thing that we're a part of are just genuinely nice people who mm -hmm. like to talk about the things that they love. Yeah. And the ex experiences that Daniel had are kind of a recurring theme. You know, it, it's special that Daniel was be able to, you know, capture this in words and tell about the story. Um, this is not an isolated incident by nope. any stretch of the imagination. And uh, we've all been involved um, with things like this on 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 both both ends of the scale. So it's just really great to see new people continue to come find a home um, in the pen community. And um, I'm glad we we're able to play a little bit of a role in that. It makes me feel great. Uh, I have some new stuff. Yeah, this is, we've been trying to get, this is kind of stuff we've been trying to get to for a couple of weeks, right? Yeah. 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 We've just been busy, busy and sick, you know? Yeah. Still, we still, Still need to get to all of the ways I'm using my pens stuff, but yeah, true, true. But let's talk about let's talk about new stuff. I want to hear this. I bought a Twisby Eco, mm. um, and that was purely because when I was on the show and I bought the Disney Kurutogas, right, mm -hmm. which I also mm -hmm. have here, which are nice. fantastic. I mean, I don't have <laughs> a ton to say. You you had you wrote up about them as well, didn't you? Yeah, they're so cool. My kids literally use them every day. Yeah, they are fantastic. I have uh, Minnie, uh, I have Donald, and I have Mickey. Um, yeah. And I've opened the Mickey one, the Donald and the, and the Mini haven't been opened yet. Not for any mm -hmm. specific reason, they will be. And I what I love about these things is how minimal they are in it. Um, they're, they're just nice colors and they have just like a couple of uh, little 
icon, like just a couple of pieces of iconography on them. Like the Mickey one just has a yellow shoe and a white glove. Exactly. That was my favorite bit about them was how minimal they were. You know, these types of things can definitely be done in a gaudy way. And this is the furthest thing from it. It's beautiful. Yeah, and in and and using them, I realized why the Kurutok is so great, but at the same time now, why I prefer my road rings is the weight of the road rings because they're made of metal. Sure. Um, like, that is the difference, you know, for, for me now, is I, I like the weight of those, but that mechanism is next to none, you know. Right. Which is, you know, that's what makes it so fantastic. But let's talk about the Twisby Eco. Let's. Let, yeah, I'm anxious to hear what you have to think about this. So I purchased a Twisby Eco, um, and I told Adina about it, and was effectively told that it wouldn't belong to me as soon as it arrived. <laughs> so let's, what, what are the specs? I mean, not that there's a lot of options. Black or white and what nib? Uh, mine is black 1.1 stub. Okay. So mine was coming from JetPens. So I ended up ordering a white 1.1 stub from Colt Pens, so it mm-hmm. would arrive before and I could just give it straight to Adina. Because she was always loved Twisby, she she considers the Twisby Mini or had considered the Twisby Mini as her perfect pen, but she broke like two of them just through sure. their general destruction, their Twisbiness. Exactly. So when I told her about the Eco and and kind of explained that bit a little bit to her about the fact that it was apparently stronger, well, she was like, "Well, I want one." Because she was using a Metropolitan, which she likes, but that's nowhere near what she loves. And also, she'd seen Tiff. Using the the one point right. one and, and taking the pic- amazing pictures that she's been taking and just like I want one of those so I got her one as well. Um, this is the best Twisby. Yeah, it's pretty solid, right? I mean, it's, it's, it's fantastic. I don't know how they have made this pen for the price they're selling it at. It yeah, d- doesn't make sense to me. This thing is fantastic. So what'd you ink it up with and, and start writing with? What do you think I ink it, ink Fuyugaki. it up with? Fuyugaki. And that, <laughs> I bet that orange, looks pretty awesome in it there. Looks, yeah. It looks excellent. Because it's, you know, I like that they've just gone with, yeah, we're just going to make them demonstrators. Like, just it is what it is, right? right. It's clear and it, it looks great. There is a little thing that I'm a, a tad concerned about. Sure. Um, you know, in the read system, the, like the filling system, where mm-hmm. the nib connects into mm-hmm. the, the black area. What is that called? I always get that. I can never remember. The feed? The feed. That there's oh. ink collecting around there sure, a little bit that, more than usual? Uh, that's normal. I mean, it, it doesn't... It looks kind of a bit like, hmm, that doesn't seem right. I mean, I'm sure it's fine, but it's like, eh, yeah. I don't know. It looks a bit like it could explode, but... You know, if you could see the insides of your other pens, they'd be looking like that too. Okay, right? cool. I mean, that's just how the ink delivers. Sure. All right, great. Yep. Nothing yep. to worry about. That's, uh, actually one of, that's actually a huge question for a lot of beginners. Like, oh, my fountain pen's getting ready to leak. It's actually not. That's just kind of how it functions. Yeah, I don't have a lot of demonstrators, which would explain why I've noticed mm-hmm. that. Um, the filling system is not as smooth. At least that's the way it feels to me. That the the mechanism doesn't feel as smooth as like a mini or an. Sure, I I would agree with that. Uh, but it does the job, um, and also it feels like it maybe doesn't hold as much ink as some of the the other pens that they make. But these are all just like minor quibbles because sure. This thing feels great. It's that, in my opinion, it's their best looking pen that they make. I think this is actually my favorite design. Um, I know that you don't like it as much, but I love the clip and I love the cap. Yeah, I I like the clip. I like the finial. I don't love the cap. Yeah, see, I like the cap a lot. Um, mm-hmm. I, what I also really like about the cap is that when the cap's on, the thing doesn't roll around. That's true. <laughs> 
which is a big thing for me. And it has the fantastic nibs that Twisby make. Yeah, you know I love those. You you would be hard pressed to get a better nib for this price. Yeah. I mean, I think the Pilot nibs are probably the best in the price range, which is why I like the Metropolitan so much. I think this is probably second, yeah. uh, in my opinion. For me, for me, Twisby is, Twisby is the best. Yeah, I like the fineness of the Pilot. I like the firmness of the Twisby. That's why I like them so much, because they're a firmer nib. And also, um, like, with the ease of getting something like a stub nib mm-hmm. at this price, with this That's quality. True. Uh, That's very know, true. I, I, I'm I'm kind of I'm confounded about this, and I've been using it a bunch. I've been taking a lot more notes than usual, and it's not like every day, but I'm taking more notes. I'm taking notes more now, which is good because I've got it in my brain constantly, and I've got the pairing of a dead print and uh, the Twisby Eco right now, and and I'm very happy it sits on my desk, um, along with a couple of other pens that I'm still trying to to use a little bit more. That's the combination you've been doing your uh, tweet notes with, right? You bet. Yeah, that's so cool. <laughs> so, I need to start on that. That's, a, that's It looks like fun, and I just haven't been doing it. I totally need to do that. Yeah, one one a day, which was your original uh, challenge to me. When I think about it, it felt like too much, because basically my Twitter profile would just be full of writing. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I'm trying to do it a little bit more. And what I'm trying to do is is tweets around this show. Yeah, I'm writing out because it feels like it's to the audience. Right, of, right. right? Like if I start writing this stuff out for Connected, it's going to seem a bit strange. Although people know I'm a pen guy, but you know, yeah. I feel like it fits more. Yeah, we get a lot of uh, Cortex listeners over here, which is great. Hi, Cortex listeners. Yeah, there's a they, there is they a love um, this show. There's a real crossover. I, I hear from quite a lot of Cortex listeners that are finding the pen addict. Yep, I get lots of emails. That's which, great. Yeah, she's awesome, and I'm happy that that's happening. Uh, but yeah, that's that's my haul, and and I'm I I cannot recommend that Twisby Eco uh, enough. I again in three months' time, this thing might fall into a pile of dust. Uh, <laughs> but as of right now, and my current belief in it, uh, it is, in my opinion, the best starter fountain pen that you can buy. As long as this thing continues from to, to stay together then for me, it tops the Metropolitan and it tops the Safari. Nice. Time will definitely tell. Yep. Um, you know, there haven't been a lot of uh, consistent um, issues with the Eco, you know, a few piston things here and there, but generally um, not like, you know, we've had before with the 530s, 40s, VACs, things like that. So, and uh, I, I do have the VAC Mini, um, which is such a cool pen. So I'll be working on a, a review of that probably in the next uh, few weeks or so. I'll get that pen out and get you my get you my thoughts on that one. So yeah, and I can't wait for colors of this thing. Oh, that's gonna be rad. the The yellow one they teased already is sick. I, I would buy it immediately. Give me that orange. I want an orange. Yeah, I know. Speaking of orange, this isn't in the show notes because it just happened like right before we went and I was in the Slack room. There's a new uh, Lamy Pico, which is like electric orange or something like that. I am all over it. It's at Colt Pens right now. So we'll have to see huh. about uh, getting one of those bad boys. It looks awesome. I, I love the Pico um, a- as a portable pen. It's a great little pen. So oh, anyway, I'll take a look at that. I've, we'll I've throw that in the show. We'll now. throw that in the show notes for you because I just saw it like literally right before the show started. Well, so. I'm- I'm going there. I'm at okay, Colt Pens right now. You oh, there, look so at that boy, bad boy. So what's the name laser, of it again? Laser Orange. Laser Orange. <laughs> laser Orange. <laughs> that thing's pretty sweet. The name's yeah. weird. I don't know if, if Orange... It's a little weird. I wouldn't necessarily think of Orange Lasers. 
<laughs> it's more uh traffic cone orange, but yeah, we get the point. <laughs> yeah. How interesting. All right, should we take a break? Let's. This week's episode is brought to you by the fine folk over at Pen Chalet. You know Pen Chalet. They sell authentic, amazing rollables, fountain pens, ballpoints, mechanical pencils. They sell refills. They sell carrying cases, pen holders, fountain pen converters, and so much more. They have very fast and reliable customer service. They have great deals and discounts that they do every two weeks. All the time, there's great offers over at Pen Chalet and all of your favorite brands like Pelican, Monteverde, Lamy, Pilot, Namiki, Sailor, Caveco, and they're an authorized dealer of all of them. You can get free shipping on orders of over $50 in the United States, and they also sell internationally with reasonable shipping rates as well. I've had things shipped from the Pen Chalet, and the costs are fantastic. Pen Chalet also believes in satisfaction. They guarantee it with a 100% satisfaction guarantee on their low prices on high-quality pens. So head on over to penchalet.com, click the podcast link at the top of the website. When you enter the password penaddict for this week's special offer, you will also find all of that information there, as well as the 10% coupon code that you're going to need to save 10% on anything over at penchalet.com. That's a new thing. Now you go, you just type it in, you get your coupon code there as well as your special offers so you make sure you see everything. And this week, we have something slightly different, which is kind of cool. Some carrying cases for pens. We have the Monteverde 36-piece zipper carrying case and the Aston Leather Collector's 10-pen carrying case as well, which is exactly what the type of thing that I think us uh, pen addicts need is somewhere to put all of that great stuff, especially with uh, pen show season <laughs> in full effect. A 36-piece zipper pen carrying case? Seems yeah, like- so so we usually play the game where, where Brad uh, types in the code and, and is surprised by what pops up on this uh, on this screen you know, live during the episode. But Brad knew about these ahead of time because Ron is such a good guy. Um, I met Ron at the la pin show no uh, way know? yes yes i did oh, so man. we had uh, I'm so jealous yeah i was in the middle of working but i had like five or ten minutes to uh chat with him and uh we had a good time we talked uh all kinds of stuff and he sent me an email afterwards he's like hey look you know this week we're planning on doing these pin cases and do you think is that a conflict with your business and i was oh, like well that's bro. such a nice thing to like that's a legitimately nice thing to ask. And I said, of course not. It's completely different. It could not be anything further from like what we manufacture at Knock. And I would I didn't I think it's a good idea, actually, that these would be your promotional offers this week because I came back from the pin show and I need like one of these 36 pin cases just to like transport stuff. That's what everyone uses at these shows, right? Like uh, Matt from the Pin Habit had like a 48 pin case and everyone's carrying around just to like move, you know to travel with pens from one case to another if, you, if you're if you a large collector, right? If you have big things to move around and this 36-piece case is probably pretty sweet for that. So I'm going to check this out myself. But uh, Ron was, he thought it was important to ask me that um, before this week's episode. And I mean, if we didn't know Ron and Pen Chalet were amazing, that just pretty much seals the deal, right? Yeah. And the, the prices on these things are absolutely fantastic as well. I've just added the 36 uh to to a cart so you can get uh you can get the 36 pen 
Uh, 36 piece zipper pen carrying case. It's on sale at $24 when you go into that special area, but after you put in the coupon code, which you'll find in our special pen addict area, you will get it for $21.60, and you can get the Aston leather 10, par- 10 pen carrying case for $42.66. Excellent, excellent prices there. You should be checking this stuff out. These guys and girls over at Pen Chalet, they just do the best stuff, and we love them for that, so... Thank you so much to Pen Chalet for their continued support of this show. So, let's talk about the LA Pen Show, shall we? Yeah, let's. It was good. <laughs> the end. Thank no, you I'm so much kidding. for listening to the. <laughs> <laughs> you can find me at Dowdyism on Twitter. Twitter. No, uh, it was, it was awesome. So uh, let's uh, let's kind of do it uh, chronologically a little bit, and um, but um, it's it's really more. Most of these pin show recaps are better as um, a general overview and vibe of the show. But you know, we had I did have some specific things I wanted to talk about, like Friday traveling to the pin show. When we landed, I got um, hijacked by Obama. Yeah, at LAX. Yeah, so, so I, we landed our plane. We had to sit on the runway, sit on the tarmac for like 30, 45 extra minutes as uh, Air Force One was trolling around, uh, <laughs> trolling around the airport and getting uh, Obama off to wherever his next stop was. But I had already planned to uh, meet Lisa Van Ness at the airport. So I was at LA um, working for Van Ness Pens for this show for Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. Um, so Lisa was landing about an hour behind me. So that actually put me closer to the time where I had to wait for her anyway, because what Lisa did, her husband, Mike drove from Little Rock, Arkansas out to LA. So he took the three or four days to make that trip earlier in the week, arrived on Thursday. Lisa and I arrived Friday afternoon with Lisa having a full suitcase in tow packed full of bung box ink. So she wanted me to stay behind so I could carry that for her. So it actually made the trip successfully. Um, you know, had nice big fragile stickers on the on the suitcase. Didn't uh, didn't get any damage. Although when we were getting into the taxi to get over to the hotel, we told the uh, the cabbie that uh, be careful with this bag. It's very heavy and fragile. And what does he do? Chonk right to the back. We just uh-huh. looked at each other and we just looked at each other and laughed. But um, if it could. If it could survive the plane flight and that, that baggage handling, I'm sure it could survive the taxi guy. So they did. Um, we walked right into the chaos because at two o'clock, it was about two o'clock on Friday afternoon. People have been all there all morning and the way LA is set up is Thursday, Friday, Saturday are essentially trader days, non-public days. So you have to buy like the, the trader pass, which was like 65 bucks for those three early days plus Sunday. But it was still pretty busy. Um, a lot of people are setting up. The The kicker is the vendors don't have assigned tables for those first three days, right? So there was lots of drama around that to where, like with Van S. Pens, we had brought a lot of ink. So that's hard to move up and down every day and switching tables. Luckily, Mike was able to stake a claim on our official Sunday tables. So we were able to set up there all three days and just, you know, left it stored and had security out and you know, had, you know, paid someone to watch it overnight, which, you know, we're not necessarily in a secure area. Um, so that worked out luckily. Um, we were also right next to Mike Masuyama who, uh, brought Mr. Nagahara over from uh, sailor you know, in Japan to work with him for the three days of the show. So they were right next to us the whole show. So we got to see all the people going over to, uh, to Mike's table, but hmm. we just, we literally like walked in I checked my bags with the, uh, I couldn't check into my room and 
started right at the table. And like immediately there was people I recognized, people I knew, people coming up to say hi. It was just really, really cool. Um, you know, I was already on like adrenaline at that point. And that was pretty much the way the rest of the day ran, right? Because I'd been up at like four o'clock Eastern. So by the time we get there, it's already like five o'clock Eastern. And it was, it was forever till I went to bed that night. But you know, the Karis Customs guys were there. We went to dinner that night with a bunch of people from Slack and like Joey Feldman and Dett and all these people um, and hung out at the bar, you know, Matt from Pen Habit. And, you know, we hung out and, you know, played pens for a little while and uh, had a few more adult beverages. But, uh, you know, the show itself on Friday really wasn't that busy. It was just mostly talking, kind of setting up. You know, we definitely sold a few things. So, it, it was kind of cool. So, so I was watching some of your periscopes. Mm-hmm. And uh, it looked crazy. <laughs> yeah, so that was... The the crazy part was Sunday, which we'll get to. And, you know, Friday and Saturday were crazy because pretty much the whole day, people were, like, fighting over tables. Mm-hmm. And I say that almost literally, like there were lots of arguments, you know, we weren't involved in any of this, but you see it and you hear it from other vendors. Like if I ran a pin show, I would never have this non-assigned table set up I, for three why days. Why did I do this? So, so the, the, it, it's a three day show, right? Mm-hmm. So it's Friday, Saturday, Sunday? Yeah. And, and Thursday's kind of casual. They kind of loop Thursday in, but really Friday, Saturday, Sunday. And so when you're saying the three days, you mean Thursday, Friday, Saturday, right? So you have three days of unassigned, and then Sunday is an assigned day? Correct. And so they act, why do they only assign on the Sunday if it's open for four days? I don't understand. So they could obviously assign for the whole time. Because I think what they do, the theory is that the trader pass, like if you buy the $65 trader pass, even if you're not a vendor, you can come and get table space to use to put out your pens if you want to buy and sell pens. But it's a really terrible idea. But they should have an area where people can do that. But the people that need a constant setup, maybe Mm -hmm. they pay a little bit more or something. Sure. Yeah. It's just, it's, I've never been able to wrap my head around why it's this way because it causes so many more problems than it solves. It solves nothing. When I think about how long it took us to set up Atlanta, Mm -hmm. doing that every day? Seems like a nightmare. <laughs> so we lucked out. We completely lucked out. Not everyone was so lucky. Um, so it, it's really, really strange. And, um, you know, it, and there's no, there's no arguing with the promoter either. It's just, this is the way it is. And this is the way it's always been done. And your assigned table is on Sunday. The rest of it, you just figure out pretty much. It's <laughs> It's pretty crazy. It just doesn't, so, it just I, I really struggle to understand why you why you would assign at all if you're not gonna assign for the other three days. Right. It right. seems really, so, really weird to me. So whatever. It is what it is. So Saturday it you know, we were like I said, we were lucky to be in that same spot. And actually a bunch of people who are familiar with this show live in the area or in a close enough driving range they paid up to come on saturday 
right? Because they know Sunday's really, really crazy there as far as the crowds go with the public. So Saturday was actually kind of busy, but with people that we didn't see on Friday, it seemed like a normal pin show day, right? People, you know, we finally got the Van S table set up well, you know, to where we were comfortable with it. Um, we had a good crowd moving through there in and out. Um, but it wasn't too busy to where we didn't get to walk around the show. Like Mike, uh, Mike Van Ness and I walked around, we went over to, he wanted to go show me these artist pins, which I did like my longest periscope on. And we have, uh, I use this service called catch that you can go see the periscope replays. So you need to check out this artist one just to see these pins. I still haven't gone and looked at the prices of these pins cause I don't want to know, but, um, um, the, the gentleman I'm, for, I'm blanking on his name right now that runs artists. He explained all about these pins and it was just fascinating. It's just the most beautiful looking pins you've ever seen in your life. And, um, you know, so we got to do that. We got to go talk with the Franklin Christoph guys for a while. I sat down and, and looked at all their prototypes and talked to Scott at Scott, uh, Franklin about the, um, you know, the different colors that they're doing, what colors work well for them, what colors do they not have a lot of, what colors are difficult for them to make. So that was good on Saturday. Then we go back to the table and there'd be a lot of, you know, moving and shaking at the table. And that was good. Then we'd kind of, you know, simmer down and go walk around again. That's when I went and got my fountain pen day swag. Carrie shirts that he did for the show are the best ones yet, in my opinion, because I like I'm a Lakers huge, colors. Right? Yeah, they're the they're the Lakers colors, but I'm a, a Louisiana State University football fan, and that's their exact colors. So I bought two of them and um and bought the and got the little pins, the little buttons for those two. So I was excited about those as, as much say, as anything. I love the way that those look. Yeah, uh, I would buy a bunch of those colors. They are <clears throat> fantastic. Yep, yep. So um, then there were a lot of people walking around in Fountain Pen Day shirts just from the earlier releases, the gray ones and red ones. I saw them several times through the are day. Are they going to be doing anything for Atlanta? Or is it not on hmm. their radar? Hmm. Okay, well, hmm. that's that then. <laughs> hmm. So, yeah, we'll, uh, we'll have information on that hopefully soon. I bet soon. it's orange. But that's what I'll say on that. <laughs> if you're I'll involved. bet you're I'll bet you're wrong. All right. Okay. <laughs> so um speaking of shirts, Mike Van Ness pulled out his A game shirts for Saturday oh, and yeah. Sunday. Did you see these? Yeah, I saw it. <laughs> so the 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 employees at the shop made him two of these shirts, which I guess he's worn before. I'd never seen him before. Um it's like ink splattered on the front and then bottle designs on the back. He had one for Saturday, then he had a different one for Sunday, even though they look kind of the same, they were definitely different. So it was it was pretty cool. I, I like those. Um I got to meet the world famous master penman Michael Sull, who I've seen at shows. You've seen his work from uh, some of our friends and fans getting uh, their names and done by Mister Sull, and he came over to talk to Lisa because he uses one of the KWZ inks to do this handwriting, one of the Iron Gall inks. Um, it performs very well for him. It's obviously permanent, um, so we thought, you know, so she was he was getting some more ink from her, and she introduced me to him and. You know, I gave him one of our Notco pen cases and he really enjoyed that. And he said, well, let me come do your name, you know, as we'll, we'll make a trade out. You give me this case, I'll do your name. And I said, yeah, that's awesome. And Lisa's like, you got to get the pen addict done. I'm like, yeah, let's do the pen addict. And uh, so I wrote that down. He's like, no, you can give me your, write down your regular name too. And so he did both of them for me, which was really so nice. He was so busy the whole show, just writing people's names um, and could not be like a nicer guy. He was like legitimately, legitimately nice. Um, 
one of the other recurring themes of the show was people were bringing me things, um, gifts, you know, um, things they made, you know, things they wanted to give me. Um, I had two, I had, I, out of all the things I got, I had two kind of, uh, tear inducing moments. The first one was, uh, when our good friend, Joey Feldman, um, made me a print of Ian Curtis, um, with the joy division, uh, on there, knowing that I was such a huge joy division fan. And I, I didn't know what to say. It was like this mind blowing kind of thing that someone would actually think to do this and put the time and effort into doing this. And, you know, I thank Joey so much. Um, you know, I pretty much jumped his bones, um, giving (laughs) hugging him so hard for this (laughs) cause it was so cool. It was so cool. And then, um, you know, on, on Sunday, um, I received a pen from, uh, uh, a lady named Evelyn. She gave me uh Kaveco fire blue because she knew I'd, traded mine uh in atlanta last year for that uh um orange uh butcher oh. orange field notes yeah and so it i think i cried the most on that one because <laughs> it was so nice and thoughtful and uh and i had met her like the day before and she was coming back the next day to uh see mike masayama and she brought me that pen and i was just like uh, it's it's unbelievable uh the the people in this community i know we talk about it all the time but um those were my two bring tears to my eyes moments and you know not that there there weren't more but those two like really really stand out and um you know, it's like hard to uh, comprehend that these things actually happen. You know, this is back to that whole community thing. Right. So it, it was pretty great. And then Saturday night wrapped up with a party um, at the hotel, which actually worked out pretty good. We did, couldn't get an official room because you can't talk to the promoter and he he's not interested in anything. Um, so we just kind of took over some space at the bar and, uh, my friends at, at Kenro Industries, um, had a Montegrappa party where they were introducing a new, um, uh, Moscow mule, uh, copper pin. And they gave away some of these copper mugs and they hooked us up with a bunch of Moscow mules to drink. And, mm. you know, we did some giveaways, you know, Brian and Ryan over at, uh, Kenro did an awesome job and, uh, Vanessa gave away some ink and I gave away some Notco cases and we had a kind of a good crew there, um, you know, surprisingly so, since we didn't have an, an official uh, party space like we do in Atlanta, right? So uh, that went super, super well. And um, so, yeah, it was uh, it, it was a really good sat- Saturday was like kind of the perfect day because it, it had the right amount of everything. Like we weren't overwhelmed. We were able to see some things. We were able to sell some stuff, you know, with Vanessa. We were able to, you know, finish it up with a party. Um, it, it was just kind of like, kind of like the most standard all around day with all kinds of good stuff happening. And then Sunday it got berserk. I want to hear more about Sunday, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. but let's take a break first. Okay. This week's episode is also brought to you by Squarespace. You want to enter the offer code Inc at checkout to get 10% off and start building your own website today. Squarespace. Build it beautiful. When it comes to giving yourself a place online, you've got to check out Squarespace. You can build a site that looks professionally designed regardless of your skill level with no coding experience required. They have state-of-the-art technology and intuitive and easy-to-use tools to power your site and make it look and feel exactly how you want. Squarespace are trusted by millions of people around the world, some of the most respected brands in the world, and this is partly because they ensure security and stability, but they also do it with fantastic features. They have response 
responsive design. They have a commerce platform so you can build a store. They have cover pages for great, to help you build great-looking single-page websites. They have rock-solid fast hosting. They have their dev platform so you can tinker with the code if you want to. The list goes on and on and on. Squarespace have 24-7 support with live chat and email, so they're there to help you if you ever need it. If you are thinking of starting a site or you're unhappy with your current website, you should go and check out Squarespace. You can get a free trial with no credit card required by going to squarespace.com. Their plans start at just $8 a month and you'll get a free domain name if you sign up for a year. When you do decide to sign up for a Squarespace plan, make sure that you use the offer code INC at checkout. Not only are you going to support the Pen Addict podcast because they'll know you heard about them from this show, you'll also get yourself 10% off your first purchase. Thank you so much to Squarespace for their support of this show and Real AFM. Squarespace, you should. So I'm going I'm to put someone on the spot right here because they just popped up in the chat room and they're getting ready to build a site on Squarespace and they used our code because they told me at the pin show on Sunday, and that's David SD in, in the chat room. Um, he, he was one of the nicest guys I met all weekend. Um, he gave me a pin from his from his job uh, training police officers. He gave me a San Diego Police Department uh, a little police car button, a pin, uh, like a lapel pin um, button. And he's getting us some more to give you um, in Atlanta as well. And Aww. he is he is working on a blog, and I'm I'm holding to it. And I had he told me he would uh, let me know when it's ready to roll. So uh, and I know he's using. Squarespace for that. So it was great to meet awesome. you, David. Thank yeah. you, David. So Sunday, we were warned for days um, about Sunday, and it it pretty much came true. It the initial rush was pretty crazy, and I made sure to get the uh, um, get it on video on Periscope. And we'll have links to that, all that in the show notes. Yeah, and it, I saw and that it, one. It, it was pretty packed. You know, there was a lot of people just like filing through because the line was so long. I think it took them. It probably took them close to two hours to like clear the line through the entrance, Whoa. you know, just because, you know, people having to pay, register, get in through the show note, through the uh, show uh, registration table, show notes. the show notes, sorry, <laughs> <laughs> takes people hours to get through our show notes. <laughs> they are long. So, um, yeah, so there are a lot of pictures uh, from inside and outside. Uh, I thought I was excited to meet uh, Franz, who everyone knows uh, from uh Instagram mostly and Twitter and, and uh, Slack and Fountain Pen Geeks. He's like, he's so cool. He's like the nicest guy. If you want to see a bunch of shots um, from the pin show, check out Franz's um, Instagram feed and also check out Altec Green's uh, Instagram feed. They both captured more than I could have ever imagined. Altec Green is uh, Ricky Chow, who also helped us out a lot with the show, giving us information. Um, but they're like the nicest guys. All they want to do is help. They're and everyone was so helpful. That was the other thing. Anything we needed at the table, like uh, Matt from Pen Habit and a bunch of the SF Pen Posse guys, like Richard and and Ricky and Franz and and all these people were just so helpful. Anything we wanted to do, you know, grabbing us lunch or helping us fill ink samples or swatching. Um, things that we forgot to swatch, ink swatch, yeah. and uh, it was having just... done only that one pen show, and looking forward very much to to doing my next one. Mm-hmm. Somebody who brings you lunch yeah. is the best person on the planet. Yeah. So 
we hosed that on Friday. Both Lisa and I were in bad shape on Friday because neither of us ate lunch. And that's like my number one rule, you know, when we talk about pin shows is make sure you eat. And Lisa and I failed on that on Friday um, just because of the travel and everything. Um, then we, we did, we were able to get lunch on Saturday and Sunday, which is hugely, hugely important. Um, even for not those working there, just for those attending, you got to take a break. Um, you got to eat, you got to drink. Um, so I drank a lot of water. We were right across from like the water bottles. Um, water cooler so i got a lot of water um but yeah that's huge so yeah anyone who does that but it was just a busy day in general there were times where it was like three or four deep at the table um people kind of having to wait to get up front to look at the ink and look at the ink samples um things like that and looking you know look at the different things that we're looking to purchase um ask us questions things like that um so it was pretty steady didn't have much time to get around um, on Sunday, but that's cool. That's the way it's supposed to be. Sunday is the public day. And, um, you know, it was just, uh, really, really packed. So, you know, there's my Sunday night, we, we ate dinner and after dinner, I like almost couldn't walk back to the hotel. It was like, I was so exhausted and, you know, people were going to the bar. I was like, I just went straight to my room and crashed. I couldn't even go to sleep. So, um, it was, it was, it was a long, long, by that, by Sunday night, I was exhausted and, um, but like all during the day, it was good. So. So when is Nock going to make an appearance at the LA Pen show? Uh, don't know. That's a good question. It depends on if we would be willing to ship all our stuff out there. Cause we're certainly not going to make the drive. Um, I, I'm going to have, I have a hard time. It would actually be okay for us to have this table an assignment assignment thing but because pen cases are easier to carry around than bottles of ink yeah yeah we can move that stuff around i don't know that i want to deal with that though because like people get ticked with each other while i've had this table for five years well no one has assigned tables till sunday you wake up early enough buddy (laughs) yeah there were people down there at like four and five o'clock in the morning to get tables. That's yeah, that ain't happening, man. And I don't know that I, on a personal level, I would be super fresh. I don't need that mental overhead to deal with that, right? So, will Knock ever make an appearance out in LA? Maybe. I, it's a cool place. The people out there are awesome. I met so many great people. Um, I think the the product would do well enough. The Vanessas were nice enough to let me put a few cases out, and people who knew about them were excited to see them. People who didn't know about them thought they were pretty cool. Um, so I definitely got good feedback on the not goods out there. It would do well out there. I believe, um, it's, it's just a logistic thing, you know, that's, it just couldn't be further away. And, you know, when you have a promoter that's not pro vendor, um, in the way that this one is, I would have a difficult time, um, giving him my money, knowing that it's just going to be a hassle from a, a from a promoter perspective, but we'll see. Yeah. I'll never say never because just because of the people, I mean, the people make it worthwhile. So if I can get over that uh, and dealing with him and the frustrations that come along with that, maybe. Would you go back under the same circumstances? I would absolutely go back under the same circumstances. The Vanessas are wonderful to work for. They, I mean, Lisa hangs the moon as, as far as I'm concerned. Um, and she thinks it's funny when I fawn on her like that. Cause she thinks she doesn't deserve it, but she does. She's like a legitimately great person. This is the first time I've worked with Mike. First time I've met him. First time I've even talked to him and he was just a nice guy. They did a really, really good job. Um, they're super supportive of, of me and them, uh, bringing me out there is nothing short of fantastic. And, uh, I could not appreciate them more for what they do for me. Yeah, definitely. Thank yep. you, Venice's. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
But you bought some stuff. I did. I bought very little stuff. I like, so my plan, so outside of working the pin show, my plan was no plan, right? My, I'm there to do a job. So I go, I work for Venice. Anything else is gravy at that point. That's my focus when I, when they bring me out to shows, I work for them. I do whatever they need. I'm there for them. And I love it. it. It couldn't be any better. So from a pen addict perspective, that means I don't get to see the whole show. You know, I can make a, I, I never made, I probably saw, there's no way I saw 50% of the show. I probably saw maybe a quarter of it just because I don't have time to get around that much. But what happens is all my friends go around they know what i like they say did you see this did you see that that way i can make beelines to put to places huh. and go look at right so um the first one starting on the first starting on friday did you know that stylo art and a boy were here and i was like i'd only heard of them at the la pin show for previous previous years so stylo art makes um beautiful wood barreled pins and Iboya makes ebonite pins they're both japanese companies and um, they're both, you know, you can order online, but the ordering process isn't the most simple thing. Um, a boy is starting to make some inroads over here. They have a few pins at nibs.com. They have a few pins at Anderson pins, but nowhere near like their entire lineup. And so by Saturday, on Friday, they were down the hall from us on Saturday, both of those tables, they kind of worked in conjunction together, even though they were separate companies. Both of those tables were literally adjacent to us. So it was Mike Masayama and Mr. Nagahara at the very end of the aisle. The Vaness two tables, and then Stylo Art and Aboya right next to us. So when I'm standing out in front of the Vaness table working, and if I'm not working, I'm I'm sitting in front of Aboya and Stylo Art and talking to them the whole time and looking at these pins and they're just fascinating. And after two days of that, yeah, I, I went in. <laughs> I went in and that's what I bought. You know, I could have, if I shopped, there were several other pins. I now have other pins on my radar, which we'll, we'll maybe talk about um, at, at the end of the show um, if we have time. But as far as like pure shopping for me or for the pin addict, I did almost none and only, and I'm glad that Stylo and uh, Aboya were right next to us because I really wanted to get something from them. So it worked out that I was able to, um, you know, I was at the Aboya table. We were joking. I was just there so much, you know, like five or six times. And, um, you know, it was, uh, it was, it was just really cool. So the two, I purchased two pens. The first one I bought on Saturday was the Aboya. Um, the shape of the pen is called the, I'm going to go Huga. It's H-O-U-G-A. It's basically a cigar shape with rounded ends, um, clipless. Um, the ebonite color is called Kumpu Green, I believe, as best as I could, could track down. And it's basically just a solid polished uh, ebonite with a gold Bach nib and uh, the ebonite section and just a very faint Aboya made in Tokyo stamped on the barrel, which you can barely see. It's just... It's one of those pens. Ebonite just feels so good in the hand to me. Um, I love the the shape and the smoothness and the feel of it. It looks okay. So uh, Tanya's giving me Hooga. How did I do? We'll see if that's good. So yeah, that's a, that's a hard word. <laughs> I love the chat room. Um, 
and uh it, it's just a very cool pin i that was the first pin i bought and it was a hard decision i couldn't it took me so many visits to their table because i couldn't decide on the color um between the orange red and green it was a really really tough decision they had a blue that was great but they only had that in like a clipped and banded one and it was a gold clip and a gold band around it and a larger size pin i almost bought that one because the blue is so pretty um but i didn't so that was the first pin the second pin i bought was a stylo art asama which is the shape and the wood is called buried ash and now this is a very very lightweight pin as you'd imagine from uh wood but what they do is they have um the ability to fit pilot and sailor nibs into these pins. So they have this pin has the wood barrel. It's a Rushi lacquer, like clear or Rushi lacquered. I think it, the reading on the um reading on the site, it's like you know, 10 layers of this clear Rushi lacquer, which really makes the grain of the wood pop and shine. It's this is a pin you have to see in person to appreciate the colors of it. And the section and gold nib, I have a 21 karat extra fine sailor nib just a stock um nib that um they enjoyed uh, selling to me they enjoyed seeing my handwriting um it was so fine that they they wanted to take pictures of my handwriting because they couldn't believe um that an american would write that small and they say that's usually only reserved for like uh kanji letters and and things like that so it was quite funny they got a big kick out of that the pen is amazing all of so the stylo the boya I narrowed it down to like a few pins. You know, they had a huge table of ebonite in all different shapes, sizes, and designs. There was only one or two styles I liked. The Stylo Arts table, there wasn't a pin I didn't like out of probably a hundred different barrels. Um, so that was actually harder to decide. Um, but I decided to get one with a lot of grain and a lot of color that you could see. Like the black, like the solid black ones look really cool. But I didn't think I would enjoy it in the long run as much as one that was like really, really nice. Um, had a nice, you know, wood grain pattern and things like that. So they're really, really cool. Um, and the only other things I got were I bought a beautiful pin case, a uh, pin wrap from Stylo Art, which was made out of um, the the lady working there. I think I think was um, it's a husband and wife and she was telling me the story of this pen wrap that I had had in my hand and I picked it out and it was her grandmother's geisha belt silks that Whoa. this pen wrap was made from. I was like, yep, that's, I'm totally buying that. So I bought that. Um, I bought a couple of pen cases from Mike Masuyama's wife. And then I had Mike Masuyama work on a Pelican nib that I had just bought. I just bought a pen from, uh, Mr. Dudek, the Blue Marine Pelican. I got that nib uh, ground down to an extra fine. And then he also um, fixed the Bach nib that I got with my first Aboya pin, first nib on the Aboya pin. So that's kind of a uh, interesting story. So Aboya uses Bach nibs and they're gold, uh, 14 karat gold nibs. And I brought it over to Mike to just get ground into a cursive italic. And so he looked at the nib through his, um, you know, through his eyepiece, through his uh, magnifying lens. And he saw that like the tying slit was crooked, which I didn't see. Obviously when I purchased the pen, it's actually kind of hard to see with the blind eye with a naked eye. And Mike was able to see that. So I was fortunately able to just walk back over. I it was, I had a hard time explaining this to the, uh, the gentleman at the boy table. I forget his name. And, um, 
and so, but I finally, you know, showed him, we got out the, uh, his, um, magnifying lens, looked at it and we could see like the time was kind of off. So he, Mike Masayama said he couldn't really work on that nib. So we just swapped it out of over at the Aboya table, which leads to the thing when you're kind of a tip when you're, and I've done this before with Mike and it's not always, he's not always able to do it. If you're buying pins, even new pins, you know, have someone take a look at them. You know, it's kind of like a mechanic looking at a car, you know, just to see if there's any, any issues with it. And I couldn't have seen this with my naked eye. It wouldn't have been that big of a deal. You know, if I came home with it, it would just been more of a hassle um, to swap that out or either, or either adjust it as it needed to be. But like when I've bought like a vintage pilot at the Atlanta pin show, I would say, may I take this over to Mike and have him look at the nib and make sure everything's fine. And they almost, they always say, yes, bring it over to Mike, you know, or someone, you know, make sure he's not busy. Mike, I'm purchasing this pen. We just verify that this looks good. So, you know, fortunately he was able to do that. Um, Saturday, Sunday, you couldn't get within a mile of, of Mike Masayama. But, um, you know, that was just kind of a little, little side story of, of something that happened there, which has never happened to me before. So that was kind of a unique moment, but that was all I bought. I mean, the two pens and three pen cases. Um, and then I got a bunch of other things from a lot of people got some pens, obviously given to me, got some ink given to me, um, got some paper given to me. So all that stuff was, was very, very cool. But, um, as far as purchasing wise, um, I didn't go nuts, but my, from what I didn't have on a shopping list before, I now have a couple of other things on a, on a shopping list. And oh, one yeah? is a, a, yeah, a Dana trio. I'll have to go find the name, but one of, one of the things I was able to see at the LA pin show was a Nakaya and also a Dana trio with a lacquered clip. So they take that same Yurushi lacquering from the barrels that they're using and the clip gets lacquered as well. Um, colored, dyed, painted, it looks so nice. Um, I'm I might have to get a lacquered clip pen. The the Nakaya was way too expensive. It was like twenty five hundred dollars. And when I went to go show someone it, someone had bought it in the interim. That's how nice looking that pen was. And then the the Danny Trio um, was kind of a brown Arushi pen with a sky blue uh, lacquered clip that just looked gorgeous and uh, was. Not exactly in the price range, but way cheaper than the Nakaya. But I need to figure out the name of the the barrel and 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 check it out. The other pin I'm kind of fascinated with, which I had never seen it before, and um, Matt Armstrong ended up picking up one of them. It's the Jupiter pin from uh, Andy Lambro. It's really good looking. You would actually like this pin, Mike, and I don't know how much it is. And uh, Matt took a a picture of it on his Instagram, which I'll get for you in the uh, in the show notes. But it's got this. It's kind of got a. It's a space scene with a big red Jupiter, but it's very subtle. Like it's not like you think about that and you think it could be tacky, but it's really, really not even remotely tacky at all. It's it's beautiful, and uh, we'll we'll get that in the show notes um, so everyone can see a link to that. Um, link to that pen, but it's uh, that's not a pen I would have ever considered unless I saw it in person, and it's it's pretty awesome. So those are the those are the pens that are now on my my shopping list, and uh, you know I have no no idea how much even you know those those would cost, but it's uh, it's very cool. Awesome, awesome pen show fever. Yeah. yeah so okay, uh, Tanya put the link to the. Uh, to the Jupiter in the 
in the show notes. So go take a look at that. I want to get your feedback on that before, oh. before we end this. Yeah, that's pretty much what I said. I, I think if I bought one more pin, that would have been it. That I think that was the next pin on my list. All it, right, where do you got it? <laughs> so it's a classic pins LB3 Jupiter. That's the one. So that is now, that's officially on the list. Oh, of, no, it's off my list. Off the list. How much is it? Two grand. Two grand. Wow. But, yeah, so I, I don't know but, what he was selling at the uh, show for. My word, that is stunning. That is it's great looking, isn't it? Stunning. Yeah. So you know, y'all need to troll through uh, Matt's Instagram and see all the pins he got. He he got some seriously amazing pins. Yeah, I want it. Yep. I'm going to try and forget about it. <laughs> so that was it. That was kind of the, the L.A. pin show in a nutshell. It was awesome as you would expect. I mean, you know, I've been to a few pin shows. Uh, I guess this is my third different city and it, they never they never disappoint. Um, it's a busy time. It's uh, you're wiped out by the end of the day, but uh, every single second of it is worth it. Fantastic, man. Look, I cannot wait for Atlanta. Almost there. Almost there. Week, Just weeks away. Just a few weeks away. Yep. All right, that wraps up this week's episode. There's a bunch of great uh, links and stuff in the show notes, lots of Instagram photos in this week's show notes. If you want to find them, should be in your podcast app of choice, but or head on over to relay.fm slash penaddict slash 193. If you want to find Brad online, he's over at knock.co. You can also find him over at penaddict.com. He is on Instagram, penaddict, and he's on Twitter at dowdyism, D-O-W-D-Y-I-S-M. Uh, I am over at mikewasright.com, uh, which is, I just, every time I say the URL, <laughs> man, it makes me smile. I'm so pleased with that. Uh, I host many shows at Relay FM, as you probably know by now, and I'm on Twitter. I'm at imike, I-M-Y-K-E. Thanks so much to Penshell and Squarespace for sponsoring. Thank you for listening, and we'll be back next week. Until then, say goodbye, Brad. Goodbye, Brad.